0: Off the fly. Episode twelve? Twelve, the dirty dozen. One, two, Terry Bradshaw. Oh, Terry Oh, that's number twelve. It was damn real number no, 13. thirteen. No, it Ooh, wasn't. Rarely, bro. Good lord, number twelve. is a lot of core. I can't think Tom Brady. Tom
1: Brady? Hmm. The goat.
0: Welcome to episode twelve. It is off the fly. I'm the Gap Tooth genius, Ernie C.
1: And Rob is here in the building. We are gonna have a special guest all the way. From the 559 area. Is that the 559? Yeah, it's the 559. Fresno, California. Head coach of...
0: Sunbirds. FPU. FPU.
1: Fresno Pacific University head coach is going to be in the building. Um, and uh, we're going to have uh, quite a talk for you guys today, so stay tuned. Uh, he should be here in a couple minutes, and we'll dive in.
0: And just a uh, Sorry about that, people. We didn't even say his name. Mr. C.J. Haydock. Hey. Really appreciate him coming through today. It's going to be really fun. Uh, just a quick week recap. LeBron signed with the Lakers. Four years. Oh, man. Mil. <laughs> oh, man. Recap we out on here. That podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to Big Trevor Horn. Trevor, we really appreciate having you on. Really insightful. We got a lot of good feedback. Horn Hive. The Horn Hive is definitely in the building. Really appreciate him promoting us and uh, spreading the word out. And I hope you guys enjoy episode 12. This is the first Post LeBron podcast, so you know you might hear us with swag in our voice.
1: Just a little bit. We're winners now, you know? (laughs) Winners. Top three in the West, whatever. Easy.
0: No 55 wins, $100. Anybody want to get that? Let me know. We're betting all night.
1: We'll be right back with that episode 12 with CJ Hadock.
0: Off the fly. Off the fly. We have our guest in the building, that long drive from Fresno, California. All the way down. Coach C.J. C- Haydock, Fresno Pacific University Sunbirds head coach. How
1: are you doing today, Coach? I'm good,
0: man. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, good. Yeah. What our
0: biggest guests, Coach. I don't know about that. Man, you really to... are, bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that at all. Really appreciate you coming out, man. I know it wasn't down the street. Um... Really, some, you're really someone in the basketball community locally that we, we look up to and we admire. And you would be on the show, really. We made our day. We look forward to this all
2: day. Man. Yeah, for sure. All weekend, actually. Yeah, since yeah. We talked about it on Thursday, like, oh, man, we to get CJ in here. This would be awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it. Bakersfield's, Bakersfield's good to us, that's for sure. I love this town. Some you of really? the best people I know from down here. Definitely, man. Big shout out to AJ. Yeah, my guy.
0: So, so Coach, we, wanted to, we honestly just wanted to start from the beginning, like we always do. Um, if you wanted to share, Introduce yourself to the people. Maybe not be familiar with your program.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm the head basketball coach at Fresno Pacific University. Uh, We're a small Christian school in Fresno, uh, NCAA Division II. Um, I'm entering my third year as the head coach there. and um, Got a job that maybe I wasn't qualified for, but I was prepared for. (laughs) And uh, just enjoying every step of reimagining what that thing can be what it looks like to be a part of our Valley community, what it looks like to have Bakersfield people in the mix, what it looks like to kind of mobilize um, our entire community. So, yeah. Definitely. So you've been been for
0: three years. Um, where, did you, where did you get your started coaching at?
1: Yeah. How long have
2: you been coaching? Uh, I lose track. I think I'm on year 15. So I started – I took one year off out of high school uh, to have a very failed playing career. And uh, then started coaching, and I actually started as a JV. Let's see if I can get this right. A Division Five JV assistant at the high school level at Fresno Christian High School, where I graduated from, and uh, worked my way up. Uh, got my own high school program at the age of 22. Uh, so I spent 11 years in high school ranks. Made the jump as an assistant at Fresno Pacific for about a year, um, and then yeah, just finished it too as a head coach at the college level. So quite a. Quite a path, not Quite one right. many people walk. Yes, <laughs> what high school did you coach at? Uh, so I started at Fresno Christian. I was there for four years. I was the head coach at Liberty Madera for two years. I moved over to Clovis North, uh, and then my last stop of the high school ranks is, was at a Emmanuel High School. I was yeah, I there it. for four years. So, mm-hmm, yeah.
0: How would you say your? I guess how would you say the players? You know, I know they're old, but how do you like high, coaching high school ball to college ball? What's what's the big difference? Big transition there.
2: Uh, I think, dang, that's a good question. Uh, I think I get asked that question a lot and i never like, so hoop is the same. I think, uh, (laughs) coaching is coaching. So like there are elite high school coaches in the Valley. Uh, you move to college, there are elite coaches. That doesn't change. What happens between the lines doesn't change. I think what changes is you got to be more nails in terms of your preparation to lead people. So the college um, environment, right? If you're a high school head coach, you're leading 45, 50 kids over three levels. You got seven or eight coaches coaching uh, those three levels. At the college level, you got three assistants or so, and you got 12 to 15 guys. And those dudes, like for us, we recruit a little bit internationally. They move across the world. Last year, we graduated a kid from Cyprus in Europe. Graduated a kid from Minnesota. We graduated a kid from LA just from all over. And so what happens on the college level, the biggest difference is you have to be a little bit more nails and you have to have a, you gotta be better relationships because everything is more intimate. Like these dudes moved across the world Four to play years. for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that choice thing, uh, yeah. you know, high school kid for the most part is usually stuck with who they're stuck with. Yeah. They live at. yeah for yeah. us, our guys chose us we're going to be their first point of contact when they have a, a, a challenge in their personal life, when they have a challenge academically All those things. And so it just, I would say, requires like a higher level of relationship preparation, authenticity, genuineness. Plus you're dealing with an older demographic of, I mean, you're dealing with preparing to be grown men. So like that too, in terms of like, you can't, when you're a high school coach, you can bluff kids a little bit. You know what I mean? As a college coach, there's there's no bluffing. No. They know if you're real or you're a fraud. They sniff that out real yeah. quick. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest difference. The hoop doesn't change. You spend more time on it because you're blessed with more time because you get to do it as a full-time gig or whatever. But between the lines, it doesn't change. The relationships, the level of intimacy, guys that play for you for four years, guys that chose you, guys who you sat in their living rooms and you said, hey, like I think we could be great together. The, the power of that, of walking that process – Uh, is the biggest change and I'm not really sure I got my feet under that under me on that quite yet (laughs) so about
0: basketball let's go go back to the basketball thing real fast listen to your love when did you first become uh, I guess a fan of basketball Uh,
2: yeah who inspired you yeah Uh, I mean I think I knew I wanted I mean I I think I fell in love with playing late I would say I was like a, a high schooler before I knew like oh I don't want to do anything else, and uh, I'm going to sound old for a second, but <laughs> when, I was at, when I was in high school, I remember a couple summers in a row, like your friends were other hoopers. That's who it was, mm-hmm. and so I remember we bought the, um, the Home Depot lights that you can put up outside, and we lived on a cul-de-sac, mm-hmm. so we bought – us and our neighbors both had a hoop, and we would run full court, and we, we grew up in Clovis – and I mean, it would be, you know, we start playing as soon as the sun went down, She you got to let it cool off a little right, bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I remember one summer we had like a run in Tally where we didn't want to have a night off. Like, we just wanted to be out there hooping on the cul-de-sac. And now I drive by all these hoops outside, and nobody hoops outside anymore. It drives me crazy. <laughs> but like, I'm, I know it's like the summer between my sophomore and junior year, junior and senior year of high school, we were out there on that cul-de-sac for 50, 60, 70 nights in a row mm-hmm. just playing. That's and so, um, I think really the the love of competing is what got me, and then I was blessed enough to play for like a couple coaches who deeply impacted me, mm-hmm. who oh I want to do that, like I want to lead people that way. Yeah. I think that's why it, where it became like a profession, vocation. Like this is what I want to do uh, for a living. So,
1: oh, just to stay with the you know when you were younger and you're playing in like your high school days, like what position did you play or?
2: I was a guard. Oh, guard. I, I mean, I was an unathletic 6'3 kid that could shoot it. And so, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, shooting covers a lot of right, things. Right, exactly. I, mean, you, you could cover so I was a I was a pretty good small high school player. Uh, <laughs> I would have, yeah. I mean, I was a guard and a wing. I handled the ball a little bit, but man, I could just shoot it.
1: Who, and that doesn't, age,
2: that doesn't go away with age. It's no, nice oh, thing.
1: <laughs> no. it sticks with you. Um, who, 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 what players did you look up to as a kid? Uh, could, you, could you try to imitate anybody? Yeah,
2: okay, so my first, uh, when my parents, when we turned 12, I have a brother who's a grade older than me, 18 months older than me. And when we turned 11 or 12, I forget, the gift they would give us is a laundry basket. And it was like symbolic of, ah, right, you do your own laundry. Now. Right. But then they always would like have hidden in the dryer or something our first like NBA jersey. Mm. And so my first NBA jerseys were Reggie Miller, who I loved, because mm, exactly I could shoot it. Yep. Uh, a bright purple Damon Stoudemire Raptors jersey was one of my <laughs> oh, first, so I way. loved Damon. And then I fell in love real early with the Spurs, which was a really good life choice for my fandom.
0: Yes, uh, yep.
2: And so like David Robinson, and then you name a spur. Those were my guys. Those were your guys. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So if you go to Sean Elliott, you go back to like Avery Johnson was my guy. Uh, Vinny Del Negro, I love Gilmore was there uh, for me too. Yeah, oh, yeah, man, that was an yeah. old sport there. So yeah, Iceman. So, so anybody, uh, anybody associated with the Spurs, I root really for hard, card. and that's still today. So that's awesome. Yeah. Which your coaches?
0: You said you know you're you're taking some of your style from. Which one do you think you still use for uh, Do you use your philosophies? Um, ideals, things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. What coaches would you say, you, you know, you still taking today, still use
2: today? I mean, I think it like, I think if you ever, I think I'm at the point in my like professional career now, 15 years at it, where you like, how do I t- articulate it? You're not, you have all these like pieces that you've pulled, right? Cause I just, I'm very curious. I'm a learner. And so, um, you pull all these ideas and uh, people are like, Where'd you get that? And I'm, I'm at the point now where I can't even articulate. Like, I know I stole that because I'm not smart enough to have thought of that. But like, but uh, I don't know where it's. I don't know, but I know right. I stole it from somebody. So I know early in my career, I mean, my high school coach, um, I got to, uh, the chance to work for it for a couple of years. Uh, he had coached at the college level for a couple of years. He was a groomsman in my wedding when I got married. Um, in terms of like, my purpose and my calling, without a doubt. His name's Chris Schultz. Without a doubt, Coach Schultz was by far the most influential mm-hmm. person uh, in that endeavor. Um, when I was a high school coach, one of the things we used to do is we used to take our staff, or I'd go by myself, and I'd go to watch uh, Division One practices. And if I get a chance, grill guys. And so um, some of the style of play stuff. Uh, Andy Infield, who's the head coach at USC, mm-hmm. was really, really good to us on one of those visits. We're not only like let us sit and watch a couple practices, but then came and invited us in and said, Hey, tell me about your personnel. Um, how can we, how can you use our stuff? So we've taken up in terms of like offensive strategy and some of that stuff, uh, infield has been a pretty good influence for me. Um, but yeah, you just are grabbing stuff from everywhere.
1: <laughs> I'm blessed
2: enough that I got to, I I get to worry about, all right, how are we better on the floor? That's my full-time job, which is unbelievable. You pinch yourself when you think about that. But, um, So then you just, you have all these things you read and you pull and it just comes from everywhere for sure. With the last three
0: years at FPU, how do you, do you feel like your your program's, I guess, grown
1: since you've been there?
2: Yeah, good question. I think we wanted to dramatically reimagine what FPU basketball was. Uh, We felt like in this valley where we are, we would say like Modesto to Bakersfield, Mm -hmm. In that corridor, you have unbelievable junior college programs. Bakersfield College, COS, uh, Fresno City, who's in the state Final Four every year. In that corridor, you have two Division I basketball programs, who Cal State Bakersfield, Coach Barnes, unbelievable. Fresno State, the last couple of years, they've won 20 games like seven years in a row. They've been in the postseason, all those things. It's always in mm-hmm. the hunt. And we felt like, all right, there's a gaping hole in the basketball community for Division II kids where we had Valley kids going elsewhere um, and that our community, our hoop community, deserved our full-bore attention. And so the first thing that had to happen with our program was we had to be something that people would root for, we had to get dudes who would represent ourselves well, who would serve in the community. And, you know, we're, we're a top-20 private academic ex- institution on the Coast. So we had to have dudes that got raised That's and yeah, yeah, you the right way. <laughs> and so we've been on that path for the last two years. And in that process, what we've sold out to is the idea that we're going to be built predominantly, not exclusively, on four- and five-year players. Guys that come to us as freshmen, that we get to mold and grow, that our community gets to know and get behind um, and then we get to develop. Well, when you do that, when you dramatically reimagine it like that, you get really young <laughs> really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this last year we feel like we have three of the best freshmen in the league. We had three guys win Freshman of the Week award in our league uh, multiple times. This coming year with our incoming class, we'll have 12 freshmen and sophomores. Wow. So we feel like we're in a really bright place. During that time we've raised our GPA as a team since when we took over to now by over one point, a whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, We've won a bunch of community service awards this last year. We, we, uh, we had 432 hours in community service awards. we one of the top for any NCAA Division II, any sport in the country. Uh, we've really invested into the camp model in terms of running team camps for high school ke- teams, in terms of running prospect camps for high school kids, in terms of being a really visible presence in our community. So we feel like we've laid a re- really good foundation for where we want to go. We've got, you know, nine Valley kids on our roster. We've built really good relationships with the high school coaches. Um, And now we just have to be faithful to that path. You don't just get freshmen and
1: win. Right, (laughs) right. You don't don't start
2: three or four freshmen like we did for a lot of last year and win a ton of games. That's not how it works. But now, okay, now we have some – some legs under us. Now we have that continuity. Now we have guys doing that. So I'm, I'm really happy with where our identity is. I'm really happy with the relationships we've formed. I'm really happy with our status in the community and our academics. Uh, and now we just got to keep being faithful to, to the on-the-floor competitive side. Definitely. Yeah. What type of players,
0: I know you said that you know you have incoming freshmen, so you're talking, you're scouting a lot of players. What type of player are you looking for yeah. to play for you? What, what would be your ideal yeah. situation? I
2: think... Uh, I'm going to go backwards to move forward in the thought process if that makes sense. So I'm going to like zoom out. I think um, I think the definition of success like if when I look at people who are successful like across genres businessmen authors speakers coaches professional athletes whatever it is I think one of the things that I see from an outsider's perspective is it at least appears that they are like in alignment with their larger institution, community organization. So from like a macro view, we like to talk about, well, what is the Valley, right? Like here we are in California, like mm-hmm. we talk about like we want to recruit Valley kids. We want to be a Valley's team. We want to be all those things. Well, you do that by number one, having those dudes on your roster and recruiting it. But like also can our guys embody what it means to be Valley kids? So let me give you an example. Adrian Antunes is our point guard. Just finished an unbelievable freshman season where he averaged 11-4. and four coming back as a sophomore, going to be a top three point guard in the league. Adrian, to me, rec- re- like represents everything that's good about the Central Valley, about Fresno. This is a dude that started for four years at Clovis West, would, had a super high achievement le- level, won all the time, put up crazy numbers, and because of maybe his stature and frame, was severely under-recruited, under Uh, On our staff, we had debates about whether he was good enough for our, our level. But Adrian is tough as they come. He's as smart as they come. He's as hardworking as they come. And he's got an immense chip on his shoulder. I want to coach that combination of things because that's what makes Fresno special. That's what makes Bakersfield special. Is we're a community of people who are who got a little chip on our shoulder. Chip to the roof. Yeah, who got a little bit that are that are maybe disrespected. Sometimes we talk about California and people are like, oh, but like, how far are you from the beach? Well, we're still in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you're from Fresno. Like, yeah. I like dudes that have like maybe have been. Um, a little under recruited, under appreciated, who just want to work to prove they don't belong, and that's what I think. Like, I'm an 11 year high school coach who spent nine months on a college sideline and then moved over to the head coaching seat, and so like, I always have this sense of like, I'm trying to prove I right. belong here, right. and I want to coach dudes who belong, who have that same sense. Talent matters in 2018. If you play basketball, you better be able to shoot it if you want us to recruit you. You better have grades and all those things. But at the end of the day, what makes Fresno, Modesto, Bakersfield, Visalia, Tulare great is we have this chip on our shoulder to prove, like, nah, we're not just a stop between San Francisco and L.A. That's not what we are. we got lots of vibrant things happening in our cities and our communities, and we want people that want to run. As a coach. That's that's <laughs> no, no. no, no. Hey man, <laughs> Speak
1: on
0: it. Go ahead. Up, man. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. <man>. Sorry, <laughs> I'm always talking to Rob, dude. No, I'm doing
1: that. Um, I guess like when you say that, you know, we're not just just a stop between L.A. And, and San Francisco. Did you really, you really take that to heart? Like, yeah. That's a that's something that's like I could feel when you're talking about it, and that's that's awesome because I'm from Bakersfield and so forth, but. Um, when do you see, I guess like you, do you see yourself staying here for the long haul and, and this is your, maybe your final stop or do you don't, you don't think that far ahead?
2: I mean, I think, I don't think you get anywhere in life by not at least planning ahead. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in Fresno for 22 years now. Right. My wife is a important person in education in Fresno. My children, I got a three and a five year old. Uh, who have my wife's parents and my parents, their grandparents nearby and their cousins. And so uh, when I was young, I would have told you whatever it takes to be on the D1 sideline, I want to do. Right. Uh, I think as you get older, you reimagine what it looks like to be a father and you be present in your kids' lives and some of those things. And so um, I don't see another situation arising no. that I want to leave for. Um, I would never say that's a definite, but... You know, I, I I started in in Christian education. Uh, I want to be at a faith based university. I want to coach small college basketball. I want to be near my family. Check check check. Just pretty Fresno much, Pacific. Yeah. So it's yeah. hard uh, to imagine me anywhere else at this point. That's for sure. Definitely, coach.
0: And I know state, you stay. I know you stay. You were at you were on the silence for nine months as an assistant. Yeah. But how was that transition? Was that something that you really was it? Uh culture shock, I guess? Or <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like, oh, man, this, I made it?
2: Uh, man, I still don't believe that they let me take over that spot. Uh, <laughs> I think, no, I mean, I think uh, m- my better preparation to be a college head coach, and I've been real intentional with how I've built my staff this way, is I just, as a small college coach with the things you do and deal with and the utility you got to have, Preparation as a head high school coach is the best preparation you can have. But there's an NCAA side where you got to know the rules and you got to pass the test every year, and you got to be nails on that stuff, and that's super important. Connections are important, Definitely. I guess, in recruiting. Like I think they're sometimes overstated and overvalued in our game, mm-hmm. um, but I just think the utility of being a head high school coach, where you got to like pick up half your team and take them to practice. Mm-hmm. And do the laundry, and mop the gym floor, and pull out the bleachers, and run a summer league tournament just so you can have a hotel for your regular league game that you got to travel. For. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just think is. that that like utility. I don't think anything is more valuable than that. So yeah, like nine months on a sideline was helpful preparation, just the adaptation to, no, this is, like, my full-time job, like, three days a week for three hours. We're going to have individual workouts, and I'm going to be on the floor with six different groups or whatever. That certainly was valuable. I don't think anything is as valuable as being a head high school coach and just, like, the humility that comes with that and all those things. My first two years, so my first year as an assistant coach, my first year as a head coach uh, at college level, you do all the laundry for your guys, so they got stuff they wear to weights, they got stuff they wear in games, they got practice gear, I mean, you just turn it around for them because it's completely unrealistic
1: <laughs> to, to ask a 19-year-old to la-
2: do laundry right. twice a day, every day. Yeah. And my first two years as, as coaching, I would say 95% of the laundry I did, including my first year as a head coach, like just living in that laundry room. Uh, and there's not, you know, I think that's just the background of being a high school coach and just going, yeah, like what needs to be done, I'll do right. it. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the preparation that I think is so critical. When you want to make the small college jump, where you don't have a ton of resources and you don't have people who do everything for you. So,
0: when was your first indication you didn't get this head coaching job? Huh. Was, uh, this a pro- was this a month long process or yeah. you know, months
2: process? Yeah. So when they when they hired me, they interviewed me. Um, it was open for about a month, and uh, I knew of some of the people. So I worked for a head coach who was at Fresno Pacific for. Nine months, he hired me and then went and moved back home to where he was from. And uh, when he got the job, there had been like 300 applicants for the job. It's cutthroat world. Definitely. And uh, he hired me, and I, I thought they were going to give me a shot. I knew they would at least hear me out. I knew some of the other people they were after who are notable in the basketball community or in the Fresno basketball community. Uh, and so I spent three or four weeks in limbo coaching our team in the meantime on like an interim basis uh, and I'll never forget And that on-campus interview and it's like a, it's a marathon college oh, coaching interviews are a marathon you coaching. go from like a committee to a compliance committee to the athletic director to the university president um, you give presentation to the to the like uh, uh, faculty uh, and then at night they did a dinner with like the boosters and whatnot so it was a marathon and I remember going home that night going think I feel good I <laughs> feel good and then I got called the next day and I I mean I just I mean it's surreal almost three years later so that's crazy yeah what'd you do to celebrate Started recruiting <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right yeah. to it yeah. I mean I think I think like uh, I think one of the reasons they gifted me with that opportunity and I was 30 when they hired me one of the youngest head coaches in the, in the country is I think one of my like uh, greatest strengths is we talk all the time with our college athletes about guys like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity you get four years to do this thing and we got to be real with you if you get if you have more than three priorities you don't have any and so we talk to our guys like hey academics and basketball are two of those priorities you get to choose one other and that's all you can have in your life and i think one of the things that's been good for me and healthy in some ways and ways that i'm trying to grow in is that has always been a thing for me. Is like I got my faith that colors colors everything I do. I got my family and my kids and my wife who I love like crazy, and that I want to make sure a priority for me. And then hoop. And right. so I, I don't I don't I don't know how to celebrate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Other than like okay, like let's, go. let's inventory the jerseys. Let's right. talk about scheduling. Let's get on the road. I start recruiting. Let's like let's just go. Right. And uh, I think that's just something that's really valuable that I that I accepted at a really young age that has equipped me to be where I am. So, how much has the game changed in the last three years? <laughs> a ton. Well, they're talking about right now with the NC two A. So they shortened shot clock from thirty five to thirty at our level. Okay, uh, I know that. Uh, and actually, it looks like they're going to change the game where they're going to push the th- in a year. It looks like they've proposed to move the three point line back to the uh, international line. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've proposed widening the lane to the international lane. Um, this last year, they shifted the uh, the shot clock so it only resets instead of going back to the full thirty mm-hmm. on certain fouls. It only resets uh, to a shorter shot clock, and uh, all it's done is just it, it continues to push the game to be more modern, and uh, probably has slightly devalued post play a little bit. Right. Uh, all great. the stuff you see everything that happens in the NBA eventually trickles it down, down all the way to fifth grade. You know what I mean? And yeah. so we get like, we're the second stop on that. Um, and yeah, just the value of shooting cannot be Stress. overstated. You can't have enough shooting. <laughs> uh, you can't, um, physicality has been like, uh, slightly in my, uh, estimation. They've, they've made the game a little more, more, more fluid. Um, yeah it just continues to evolve to me what wins at the college level is you got to have you got to have guards that really can break you off on the bounce schemes are great x's and o's are great all that stuff culture is very important all that stuff matters but at the end of the day when i look at the other teams on our schedule there are two things that you've got to really try to coach your way out of a super dominant gigantic big man on the other team uh but he's got to be really good and a team that has multiple guards that break you down on the dribble, pitch it, and then break you down again. Uh, To me, with the way the game has gone, if you have a couple guards that can really make plays off the bounce and you can shoot it, especially from all five spots, I think that's we've seen that at the NBA level. We've started to see it more and more at the college level. It's influenced high school basketball at this point. Um, That's the way it's evolved the most. And then because of the short shot clock as well at our level, you're starting to see a lot more full court pressure stuff. That's mm-hmm. not designed to. It's not designed to turn you over. It's just designed to make you have to operate, take seven or eight seconds, and now you got 22 yeah, seconds exactly. to try to get into something and roll. Yeah, um, those are the things I think I'd say that have changed at our level the most for sure. How yeah, you feel about the shot level going down five seconds? Five seconds is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, man. People it's a think, lot. People
0: think it's crazy. People think two pounds don't mean anything in boxing. People think five seconds don't mean anything yeah. in basketball.
2: It's a lot, man. Yeah, so one of the dominant offensive schemes for a long time, like maybe 2000 to 2010, was the idea of thirds in your shot clock. So you just take five off, and then you would run some sort of secondary break in the first 10 seconds, some sort of motion action for the next 10 seconds. And if you got under 10, you'd run into whatever your late shot clock look was, usually a ball screen or an ISO or something. Well, now it's that taking that five seconds off – that becomes a much more difficult concept to teach because it's not clean ten right. breaks, it's not 30 2010. Um it's it's open some things in terms of flow. You gotta be much less and this is a struggle for me. My assistants will tell you it's more of a struggle than they want it to be for me, but that's okay. <laughs> um you gotta have a lot of flow stuff in your in your package where you're not calling a set every time down the floor. You gotta you gotta be able to transition into whatever you want to run. You gotta have guys that can make the read they need when the defense takes away a primary offense. And when whatever your secondary stuff is, if it doesn't work, you got to immediately flow comprehensively. Because right. if, if the ball stalls at any point and you let a defense reset on you, um, you're in trouble. And so uh, it just has improved the flow of the game is what I would say. It's made it a little more fast-paced. Um, if that, it, it's made IQ a little more value for All those things. I, I mean, scoring's up. Yeah, uh, so, oh, of course. It is. It's it's it. To me, it's it's a good change. Okay, sure. okay. I was Do yeah. you agree with the change? But you do agree with it? Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. I think too. You know, the next thing that they got to address is only. And this always shocks me as a California guy. It took me a long time to wrap my mind around this. You know, only seven states in America play with a shot clock in high school. That's Did big. That. Only seven. So we not have. Not I'm not great at math, but we have 43 states playing without a shot clock. Yeah, and uh, they need to catch up. Yeah, and there's a funding issue and other stuff, but um, but yeah, that's the next trickle down. Is how long until California we go to 30 at the high school level? How long until we get shot clocks in the rest of the states? Yeah, um, you know everything's just gonna trickle.
0: that's crazy. They're going to eventually move to 30 for high school players. Yeah, I, I would think you would keep it at 35. Maybe I think every every level. Yeah, course, know, twenty four in the professional level. Yeah, that's what I would think, but yeah, I guess we're all trickling down. Yeah, yeah,
2: for sure. In Europe, they actually in these youth systems often play thirty or twenty four uh, second shot clock, and, and they say that it's it improves maybe uh, instinctive decision making because you've got to be able to play a little faster and a little more, a little less uh, A B C, and more read and react kind of mm-hmm. uh, flow often. Speaking of
0: overseas, um, how interested are you in players overseas? Uh, is that something yeah. that's really highly this in recruits? Yeah, recruits, so. Trips, things of that nature?
2: Yeah, so we scrap and save for every dime in our program. Uh, so I would say, I mean, we have. We, we graduated two uh, European players this year one who just signed a pro deal in his home country of Cyprus, another who's yeah. from Germany. Uh, we have a senior to be who's from Denmark. Um, and then we have two incoming freshmen, um, both originally from Scotland, but have been playing at a basketball academy in London. Uh, I think we can find some things overseas, some skill sets and some size, um, that are super valuable for our program and allow us to have a little bit of a niche. So we have three on our roster right now. Um, I'll go to London in the fall and, and take a look at some guys for the future. Um, I don't see a situation in which we ever had more than four foreigners at a time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we want to play super modern and keep up with the pace of the game. And what we find over there is guys who are big and super skilled. And uh, any, any big in America, uh, to be quite genuine, we find most bigs in America to be a little overvalued because it's such a competitive market right. for them, especially in California where we've got like 30 Division I programs. We have two whole Division II leagues of basketball. So every, every kid who's above 6'7", six, 6'8", six, um, becomes at a premium. Um, it becomes a dogfight recruiting right. for those guys. Um, and we have found that maybe there's some more bigs available to fit how we want Play. we like to imagine ourselves as maybe a European style offense where we share it, where our bigs can handle it a little bit, where they can shoot it. Um, so we've we've gone over there a little bit for some for some skilled forwards is what I would say. I was gonna ask
0: you if your I guess if your offense is a European offense, that's the model of the European game. Yeah,
2: I think we don't I think at our level you gotta you gotta tinker. You know what I mean? Definitely. You gotta have things you super believe in. You gotta have hallmarks of your program that don't ever change, that are um, tenets of what you do. They're foundational. There's continuity to them. There's a strong sense of passionate belief in them. I think on offense, though, you got to at least tinker a little bit every year to Mm -hmm. fit, you know. Um, Nate McClurg, my my assistant, does most of our offensive stuff, and he just likes to say, like, all I care about is that we get our, our best players' shots in the best places that they shots so you got to tinker it so we, we run um, some NBA motion stuff that everybody in the NBA runs uh, and then we run some Euro continuity stuff and I think the thing that it influences us the most is the way we space is very European the way the way we use our forwards is very European uh, and the way we share the ball is very European coming off two pretty average seasons and uh, both years for top three in the conference in assists we really share the thing it's a great stat it's so, a yeah there yeah, that's a
0: good thing definitely so how so on um, European players how how you convince them to and great friends <laughs> uh,
2: you know I think recruiting such a funny thing uh, I, I I think guys over there are we find um, similar to what I was saying about Valley guys we find that they uh, are often have a little bit of chip on their shoulder because maybe if they were in the states they would have been recruited to a higher level Um, or any of those things, Um, you know, and I think the key for us in recruiting Europe, Fresno, Bakersfield, uh, Idaho, Minnesota, whatever it is, is we just try to convince guys from a genuine perspective that we're going to reject the like dog pony show of recruiting. And we're going to be like, Hey, this is what you sign up for. We're going to be really honest about our situation uh, our gym's cool. It's a good facility, but you shouldn't come here because of that. Our weight room's fine. It's a little small, but it's nice and was redone in 2012. Um, you know, like these are the pluses of our program. And uh, but the reality is, you should come here because you want to play with this group of players. You should come here because you get a world class education. You should come here because you want to play and have a relationship with me, where um, you're going to let me coach your whole life. Where we're going to challenge you to be the best version of yourself classroom in the community and, and those things are going to feed what happens on the floor as well and so for us it's relationships 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 um, you know now that we're getting down the line where we've been in the job a little bit almost every player we've signed uh, are guys that we've recruited for a year plus plus. and the reason we continue to get those guys is because the type of relationship we build with them because we have a level of genuine hey this is what you're signing up for and and you know, we'll be really honest. Honestly, honest. yeah, yeah, yeah honest. about the pros and cons and um, that has been very beneficial to us and I think it's just the only way to do it. You want to be authentic with the young people. You're asking I mean we tell eighteen year olds like this is up until this point, at some point you're gonna choose someone to marry and that's a more important decision. <laughs> but up until this point, as an eighteen year old, this is about as important decisions you're wow. gonna make. And I think if you ever are uh, not cognizant of that or not sensitive to that, um, think you're being disrespectful to the game of basketball and to that family situation yeah. and so for us we sell relationships really hard and then we try to live up to that sell uh, with our whole heart.
0: <laughs> it's a big move man. Because yeah. from overseas it's it's America. Yeah. It's not, it's like, it's not a California kid. That's, I, I don't know I can't of course I'm here, so I can't really fathom that it's crazy. Yeah.
2: it's
1: a, it's That's
0: a, a big, big decision. Process.
1: It's a big process. That's a
0: big
2: decision. There's no question. And you know there's lots of people in that process. You got you know with the European kids, you got academy coaches. With American kids, you got high school coaches, AAU coaches um, that are part of the recruitment process. Obviously, you got parents involved, you got siblings involved. Um, but if you just roll your sleeves up and you're willing to answer questions and, and be really um, involved uh, and available and persistent, uh, you can build a pretty strong relationship before a dude ever shows up on our, on our campus. And what part of Europe is your favorite part to recruit at? Europe? Yeah. Uh, anywhere overseas yeah uh, yeah overseas I mean we've spent the most time in Great Britain for sure Um, we have some relationships we've built that have been good to us Um, but there's I mean (laughs) we've recruited kids out of the Netherlands Um, we've recruited kids out of Australia we've recruited kids out of uh, Taiwan Denmark Uh, I would say we spend the most out of time most of our time in, in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Yeah.
0: I've seen them. We all, I, on Twitter, I'm, I'm sure I've seen it. You you have, how many foreign players do you have coming this year? Two incoming. Two? Yeah, two then one
2: returner, yeah. So what are your expectations for them this year? Uh, we think they're going to help tremendously. Yeah, we think we, we think we got two really good players. Um, we have one named Sean Nealon, who's a 6'6 six, six wing. Uh, both of them, the way their academy works is they're basically playing in a second division pro level in Great Britain. And so um, both of them have produced at that level. They're playing against guys that played Division I hoops. They're playing against guys that are uh, came up through the college system over there. Whatever, both have produced at a high level. So we got six 6'6 wing named Sean Milano, um, who's actually on the Great Britain Under-20 team right now, playing with them. He just got done in March playing with the senior Scottish team. Um, at the Commonwealth Games, where he played a bunch of minutes, was a big player for them. We think he's really good, and then we have a six-eight kid named uh, Alex Ferguson, who's out of Edinburgh. Um, played on the same academy as Sean. Uh, yeah, we think those guys are going to help us a ton right away. Yeah, right, right from the get-go. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Real quick about
0: your staff. Um, how do you select your assistant coaches? Yeah, we know one of your assistant coaches now. Shout uh, out to AJ. Yeah. Um. Like, how did you start that relationship with AJ? Let's backtrack a little bit.
2: Yeah, uh, that's an old high school relationship from from being on the sidelines at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd seen AJ coach. I kind of knew of him as early as probably 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I had my really good couple of years at Emmanuel, he had a pretty good team at Liberty. We ended up playing each other a couple times and making that relationship and kind of building that together. Um, and uh, I think I think in coaching, uh, there's a level of respect when you see guys who are in alignment who do it your way. I mean, you have respect for guys like I've. There's guys in our league who coach a completely different style of play, who communicate with their players differently than me, um, but that I have respect for. Then there's other guys that you're like, oh, like yeah, I could work with that guy. Like we're wired the same way. Uh, I think with AJ, what I saw um, when I got the head coaching job was, uh, okay, this guy's wired like me. He's a little bit of outsider to college game. Uh, he's an overachiever. He's a worker. Uh, he's elite with relationships with young people, um, and all those things. So that that drew me to AJ really quickly. Um, he was one of my first phone calls. He he was phenomenal for us the last two years. He was gonna Empire at North. <laughs> yeah, <definitely>, yeah. <laughs> so, Everybody
0: in Biggest is looking forward to that, definitely. Yeah. With your current crop of uh, assistant coaches, how did you, what was your criteria for them? What, what uh, I guess, expectations they need to make
2: yeah. in order to be on your staff? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I think I think you've you, you got to, in order to lead people, in order to lead people, you've got to know, you've got to try to always have, I think, anything in life. So one of the greatest challenges of coaching young people or leading young people is, or old people, is <laughs> uh, how do you get the people that work or play or uh, for you, how do you get them to have a more realistic sense of self? Because all of us have this like great disconnect, right? We have what we think we are. <laughs> and we'll, what we really are, you know what I mean? So with guys on our team, like, hey, like, you can't take that shot because you don't make it as much as you think you do. Or, hey, this is why you're coming off the bench and playing 12 minutes instead of playing the a million minutes you think you should be playing, right? So that's, so it's the same thing with, with coaches. Like, how do we find guys who have a realis-, realistic sense of self? Um, you know, anytime we have an opening on our staff, I probably get, 150 emails, I would say, and probably 25 phone calls wow. um, instantly and uh, because it's such a cutthroat world to get into college basketball. And immediate, very early in the process, you can tell from guys who call and say, like, hey, like I have all these recruiting connections, or hey, we've run this offense, I really want to come do that. That immediately is like a, I'm, I don't oh, know, yeah, interested, good, but good. what I want to hear is, coach, like I want to come be a part of what you're doing right. and I want to know how I can serve. And like, if it's doing the laundry, I'll do the laundry. If it's, if it's a the am the off the floor. Yeah. So yeah, you want, you want guys who have utility, who have a team first mindset. And then you got to know, like I'm a little bit of an outsider. In the fact, that I didn't play college basketball. Um, yeah didn't spend a lot of time as a college assistant so we just march to our own beat a little bit we're much more relationship oriented than most programs um, we're, we're very into empowering our guys and having them have a voice I'm certainly competitive I certainly coach with an edge at times but I'm not into berating my guys or swearing at my guys or any of that it's just not how we're right. cut and so I've had guys that have worked for me or I've interviewed guys that they just like they can't overcome how our sport, sports culture has conditioned them to what they think coaching is and I have no problem with dudes who want to coach that way it's just not how I choose to coach right. and um, so you've got you to gotta find guys who uh, can overcome what our society perceives coaching to be and are willing to be what we want them to be um, one of the quotes we love and we say in our program a lot is if serving is beneath you leading is beyond you and so our coach is like hey guys it, what I want to know first when I interview a coach is how are you going to serve our guys? Because our guys are our customers. Right. Our guys are the guys that matter most. It's about them. How can you serve them to the best of your ability? Don't tell me X's and O's. Don't tell me about this hey, you coach you know. Talk to me about serving the people right in front of your face. And if they're willing to do that, if they're willing to serve and work really hard, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. And the reality is, I think we overvalue in basketball connections, we overvalue schemes and X's and O's, when at a fundamental level, if you can get a group of dudes to play the most together, the toughest, uh, and work the hardest, all of that other stuff will just take care of itself.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, And I know you said it's a cutthroat world, which it is. Do you feel like your faith really guides you protects you and gives you a opens your eyes a little bit to that cut up world, or that what you, just, you just knew off the
2: bat was going to happen? Yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons they gave me the job was they knew I would protect our culture. We have, we have four values in our program. The first one is first things, stay first. We talk with our team a lot and our coaches a lot about, okay, what are our first things? Our first things are integrity in terms of our NCA compliance, uh, in terms of our behavior, in terms of the burden of leadership, we're a non football uh, institution, so basketball in a lot of ways is the marquee sport. Um, our our academics are our first thing for us, and our, our identity, our culture, our togetherness are our first things. And so um, I think some, like I just, I, I know they gave me the job for a lot of reasons because they knew that I would honor our first things, that we would do things the right way, that we would be great in the classroom, that we would be great in the community, and that we would follow the and so um, I'm going to honor the opportunity they gave me. And so it's, it's not even a challenge for me, to Different. be honest. I mean, the challenge is making sure you know the 3,000-page manual in and out, you know all the rules because you could breathe wrong and get a violation. But right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but for me, that comes really naturally on how I'm wired and how we want to lead our team and all those things.
0: Definitely. With – sorry, i got to thank Mike a my with the community I know you are a big you're a big advocate for community service what t- uh why is that such a big part of your program yeah um what type of community service are we talking about
2: also oh this is gonna be a long answer uh okay, <laughs> okay so F- the FPU idea the FPU is built on three values wisdom service and faithfulness service being a really important one of that uh reference it back to my quote from earlier, if serving is beneath you, leading is beyond you. We feel like, so we're a 15 sport in NCAA Division II institution. We're men's basketball. Um, a lot of ways that thrusts upon us the mantle of leadership. So we better serve. It's a part of our institution. It's a part of our faith. Um, I think something powerful happens when you challenge people, yourself included, to serve others. I think there's something that happens to your community as you watch it transformed. I think there's something equally powerful that happens within our guys and within ourselves uh, in terms of our growth, our maturation, uh, the de- uh, decreasing our entitlement. I mean, I just think it's one of the most powerful things you can do. So we've done everything for community service. We try to look at it from two lenses. We want our guys to get a breadth of experiences, like we want them to touch a lot of demographics, um, to have a lot of different experiences that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then we also want to have depth of experiences. So we want to have a couple projects where we have relationships with people that give us some depth. So uh, one of the things we do is there's a really great organization in Fresno called Every, um, Every Neighborhood Partnership. Which basically runs a variety of nonprofits. Um, we have some really good relationships with them. Uh, actually, school guy Andrew File runs every new uh, partnership. He's a Liberty grad, and uh, Andrew has plugged us with an elementary school about a mile from Fresno Pacific in a pretty low income area and every other Saturday we're out there doing what we call Saturday sports with them which our guys love because it's community service but they're throwing a football around they're kicking up a soccer ball they're shooting hoops just with the neighborhood kids and building relationships and answering their questions and encouraging them there's always one of them gets to speak at the end feed them lunch at the end and those things um, on our campus we have an adult transition program for um, adults who are transitioning who are past high school age who are transitioning who have uh, special needs so we spend some times with them my wife is a deaf and hard of hearing teacher um, in Fresno Unified. We do some stuff at her school. Uh, we have partnered with the Marjorie Mason Center in Fresno, which is a, battered, uh, a shelter for battered women and children. Uh, we've done some things at the Poverello House uh, and the Fresno Rescue Mission for uh, our homeless population in Fresno. Ooh, there's a lot more, and I'm just blanking, but those <laughs> are some of the things we do. That's We've a done lot. a bunch, yeah. It's
1: more than
0: enough. So, yeah, I think that's what the phrase you know, we all love basketball, but that stuff we could do with basketball
2: outside of the, the court, yeah, that's where it, that's where it yeah. counts the most. Yeah, basketball just brings us together and equips us with the lessons and opportunities to, to have an impact on somebody for sure. Definitely, mm-hmm.
0: definitely, coach. And another thing I really admire about you, you have high character. Mm-hmm. Where would you say you molded? Where did you get that? Was that your parents, your father, <laughs> uncles?
2: Uh, I think... I <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I think... So I grew up a pastor's kid. Okay. For a long time I wanted to be a pastor. Uh, and then I just found a little different vessel is what I would say. Yeah. I think, two. part of that is, is as a youth I was super... And I see it in my son. My son is five. And if he walked in here right now he'd be like, did you clone yourself. He walks and talks and acts like you, and he's just like me. So the the kind of youth I was. I'll use a story from my son as an example. Uh, my son's in kindergarten, and uh, this year he started kindergarten. And their classroom is where the AC unit comes into the building. So when he started in August, it's 100 degrees outside, but their their classroom would get a little cold. So we started sending him with a sweatshirt because he was cold. Then we started to notice when we picked him up from school. Uh, he would still have it on, and he would be covered in sweat because he would go out to recess and wear his sweatshirt. Yeah. Like, son, what's going on? Like, why are you wearing it? It's 100 degrees outside. When you go outside, just take your sweatshirt off. And he, we had this conversation for like two weeks. He would look at me and say, Dad, the teacher didn't tell me I could take my sweatshirt off. Like, son, like, it's okay You you take your sweatshirt <laughs> off. And we finally had to go to his teacher and be like, hey, like, for a couple days, you got you to gotta tell him it's okay because he... He wanted to be so in line. Whatever natural ingrained uh, respect for authority that mean, was, yes, <laughs> like, yes. I'm not doing. Yeah, that. I'm not taking it. Tells me to. Yeah. and that's he got that from me. That's how I've been my whole life. Mm-hmm. I just have this natural like, what you ask me to do, I want to do it to the best of my ability. And So, um, I don't know where that came from. That's a natural instinct. of I just want to be. You ask me to do this, this, is what I want to do. Definitely. Definitely.
0: With the upcoming season, what? How do you feel you keep, your team's going to do this year? Yeah. What was your record last year, by the way? Sorry, I didn't ask that. Not good. You. Seven and nineteen. Seven and nineteen. Yeah. So how?
2: What's the plan to build on last yeah. year to uh, uh, improve? We're sold out to uh, being a player development program. We're sold out to taking young guys and growing those guys. So we we think we have uh, three or four of the most talented returning freshmen will be sophomores um, we have a senior named Jake Strahd who's gonna be a good player for us who is our returning store um, I think if you if you delude yourself in division two is really interesting division one right all their teams are practicing on campus summer school that'll deal. in division two we can't touch our guys at all uh, can't work mm-hmm. them out right. at all in the summer know so that yeah. so they're on okay. their own so when we recruit guys one of the things we try to sniff out is how much of an independent Um, because your summers are where you separate yourself because every division two in the country, send them home. Obviously we give them workouts and we say, Hey, this is the expectation. If you want to get better, this is what you should be doing and how many hours a week. But at the end of the day, it's on them. It's on them. So we have, we have three freshmen who are going to, four freshmen who are going to be sophomores that we think have a chance to make a massive jump. Uh, we return five of our six leading scorers. We bring in a really talented freshman class. Um, We have some continuity. Um, We're going to be young again. When you have 12 freshmen, that'll happen, and they're going to be on the floor. Um, We had a really rough injury streak this last year where we had three guys uh, who at the beginning of the year, I think all of our staff would have told you were going to start every game for us this year, and they combined, I think, played 12 games between the three of them. So we get get one of them back who's a guard that will really help us. And uh, we're betting big on the guys we recruited. We're betting big on their character and the work that we're going to put in this summer. We think Elijah Hill, who's a Bakersfield kid, we think he's got a chance to make a jump and be an all-conference guy. We have a kid out of Vegas named Amande Coleman, who will be a sophomore who's 6'6", and shoots 40% from three. We think he's got a chance. We're betting on those guys' works. Jake Straughan, who's our returning league store, Adrian Tunes. We're betting big that, okay, nobody in the league played as, as young as us last year. To be honest, probably no one in the league will be as young as us this year. Mm-hmm. But we know the caliber of kid we recruited. We know their work ethic. We know their toughness. And we're betting big on, okay, you grow in these areas, you work, we're going to be in a
0: great spot. Definitely. And that's something I'm sure you sit down individually explain to them,
2: yes. hey, this is where you're at. This is how you, you can be here, but this is what you need to do yep. to get here. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, we meet with our guys. So I meet mean, with every guy in our program every two weeks for what we call the first things meeting where we don't talk any who, just what's going on with your family, how's your girlfriend, anything I need to be aware of academically, when's the last time you talked to your mom, what's, when basketball is done, because everybody who sits on my couch wants to be a pro, but when it is finally done for you, what, how are we helping you get closer to that next dream? And if you don't know what that dream is, how are we getting you closer to figuring out what that dream is? But then we meet with our guys three times, sometimes four times a year where they come in and they have a formal of evaluation. Uh, we actually give them like 20 uh, categories to rank themselves on a scale of 1 to 10 on. And we have them read what their number is and then each of our staff <laughs> reads what we ranked them at. Um, and I think like if you want to compel people to be better, just give them really honest truth mm-hmm. and you don't have to berate them with it. You know what I mean? I think right. people are drawn to that. I think where we miss it sometimes in coaching culture is we think that because because you know a guy walks in and he's out uh, how's your individual defense? Well, you're you know to be honest, player A, I think your individual defense is a three out of ten. I can say it that way. I don't have to call him names. I don't have to degrade him. It's not about his humanity. It has nothing to do with his worth. And he's going to say, well, all right, like I I respect that. And when it's done, he's going to stand up and I'm going to hug him. And I'm going to tell him I love him. And I'm going to send him on his way. And then every day in the summer, he's going to get a text or a call from me. And I think people are drawn to that level of like they want to hear truth, but they don't want it beaten over them. And they don't want it to be mistaken for who they are. And so I think um, we've done that with our guys with, hey, these are the three things we need you to grow in. And if you do that, you got a chance to be special. And uh, people will, will rise to the occasion on that. We just believe in that with our whole heart. Especially when they see yeah. somebody that cares about the really, yeah. wants them to improve. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you, I think in 2018, so I, I run in an older, at our level, a lot of our coaches are older um, who are head coaches, and there's a lot of like um, murmuring, mumbling about like, man, this generation is really hard to coach, and I just. I just don't believe that at all. You know what I mean? No, this generation is not hard to coach. They just, they've just they sniffed us out. They've figured out that they uh, – earlier we were talking about the NBA trickling down. Yeah, one yeah. of the reasons the NBA is so great is because the players have made their voice heard. They've been empowered. They're the one they've taken, yeah, yeah, they've taken yeah. ownership in their league. Mm-hmm. Well, our young people are smart enough to see that, and they want to have ownership in their programs. They want to have ownership in their high school programs. They want to have ownership in their college programs. And so this generation isn't hard to lead. Give them ownership, and when they fail, kick them in the butt a little bit, and try to get them to be a little bit better. Give them a direction. Give them a voice. This is—it's it's, it's not a complex, like generic. We don't need to make these big generational statements. Like definitely. guys want to hear the truth, and at their foundation, they want to know you love them for who they are. If they make every three in the game, or they miss every three in the game, definitely, coach. Mm-hmm. And That was great. <laughs> yeah, Except the gym talk. <laughs>
1: yeah, <Right. So>. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Real quick, because I—I see just as change your chase and also see you hashtag valley takeover can you take us behind the scenes what those mean to to you guys and your guys' culture
2: yeah I think what we're trying to do I mean Fresno Pacific uh, has existed on a quiet plane for quite a while Um, and in the basketball program for a long time before we got there was built predominantly on junior college transfers and division one transfers and um we have tried to imagine how could we raise the profile of our program to be a part of our community, to be something our community is proud of. Um, How could we build an identity that our guys would be able to articulate easy? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so we're big on our social media stuff. So, we want to take back our valley. I could list the example I give to everybody is my guy, Rob Sandoval. What's up, Rob? Uh, Rob's a pro right now. Rob graduated from Clovis East High School and played at another school in our league who I won't name uh, and, and was an all-conference player who's now in his third year playing professional. He's in my gym working out with me uh, two or three times a week as he prepares to go back uh, overseas and Fresno Pacific told him he wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And he was an all-conference guy, and I could go down the list of lots of guys in our league who have uh, who wanted to play, wanted to rep locally from Bakersfield, from Fresno, from Visalia, from Tulare, from Modesto, from Merced. That Fresno Pacific had never sniffed. And so we just feel like, all right, so we got to take back the Valley kids that are D two guys. They got to come to yeah. Fresno Pacific. It's got to be an option. It's got to be a place they. and then two how do we mobilize our community in a lot of ways um we should with a long-term model have more community valley support than any other program in the valley any other college program because there are more division two kids talent wise than there are division one kids Mm -hmm. so we should be more representative of all these communities so that's the valley takeover thing for us um I think what we're trying to do and the way we do it, we're not from everybody. So we talk about just us, like, hey guys, nobody outside our walls, their opinion of us matters. And then the change your chase thing is something we started saying a couple years ago. It's just reimagined. Uh Nick Saban talks about the process, um and those things. For us it's just, hey guys, today in the weight room, chase the best version of yourself. And then when you leave, go chase the best version of yourself with what you pick in the cafeteria at dinner. And then after that, when you come to study hall, chase the best version of yourself. And don't worry about wins. Don't worry about what grade you have in biology. Don't worry about how much weight the guy next to you put up. Just chase the best version of yourself today and everything else will take care of itself. So we've tried to market ourselves and brand ourselves in a very specific way, both for the external and for what it does with our guys in terms of articulating what our values and our identity is. Into coach? Yeah. Oh man, I was waiting to go on. Yeah, on. I thought there was. I, was, I thought
0: the I was like, hold on, take a deep good. breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something I wanted—I was actually curious about um I should ask in the beginning. <laughs> analytics, <laughs> analytics. Yeah. How is how important
2: is it to your program? That's what you do keep a track of. of yeah. Okay. Definitely. Uh, so every NCA program in the country uses Synergy, which is our um, mm. our video platform that is used by the NBA as well. It's managed. Our conference requires everyone who buys it comes with the analytics side, um, and it's phenomenal. So we have certain analytics we value for sure. Um, we have uh, analytics that are part of every scouting report we put up put together. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's an influence on everything, and I think you have to do a little bit of training with it with young people to learn what some terms mean. If you just say, well, yeah, he's, he's scoring .97 points per possession, on a hard edge on the ball screen an 18 year old who just came out of high school is going to go what? <laughs> yeah. so you got to like, yeah. you gotta like train it a little bit um, you know the, the, the great thing about coaching college basketball is we're two clicks away from all of that being in our pocket you right. know I mean I can log in right now and uh, have access to all that and so um, I think in 2018 if you're coaching at any level one of the dangers is because the sports like software Uh, Business is booming. Everybody has something they're trying to sell you. Uh, I think the danger in that that we try to avoid, that's really hard for us, is like there's all these toys. um, And at our level, every we have a media timeout every four minutes, and a new box score gets handed to me. You know what I mean? And it has a box score for both teams. And like, so if you don't know what you are looking for, if you don't know what you value, all that information is like super cool and not at all actionable. And so I think that's the thing for us is we try to make sure, like, I like. These things are great, but what are we going to build our program on value? Um, and so uh, that's crucial. If you're going to use the analytics or any of the statistical stuff, you got to know this is what I'm looking for. These are the things we value uh, in order to make those things have an effect.
0: Do you have someone doing that for you um, on, your, on your staff? Is that something that I guess that's the, that's good that does for you? Yeah, they compile it they all, for compile all for us. Yeah, oh, okay. so that's, that's a that's a that's a, a game. That's a so much time saver, right there. Oh, it's huge. That's a huge time saver. <laughs> I you have
2: someone under your staff that can track of all that stuff. No, if we and like we could pull for our team or any team in the country using our video software. Like, if we're scared, if we feel like another player uh, is really good than the ball screen, we could pull his analytics against all the different ball screen coverages oh, and wow. see their efficiency Beautiful. level. That's crazy. And then we could click on it, and it'll pull all the clips with that coverage. Um, you could do the same thing for your team. So, you got a guy that's struggling in um, dribble handoff situations. Okay, let's pull that clip. Let's see what he's doing in dribble handoffs and see if we can diagnose what we need to clean up in individual right. workouts or whatever. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You got to know what you value because the, the, the video vortex that is available to us is endless. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, coach, before we head out, man, we, uh, we actually wanted to get some gym talk for you. I mean, so, you, same you, machine, yeah. Rob, share
1: that with you? Uh, yeah, so it's just pretty much, you've been dropping them all night. You certainly so, I have, me dude. Like, Man, hopefully, you got does. one more. But it's basically like either like a motto or philosophy that you live by and you can share with our audience. So yeah. that way, they can kind of take away from this pod. Yeah. Kind of go from there. Uh, I'm going to go into
2: my bag of what we use with our team. There we go. Uh, so, we were talking about earlier if serving is beneath you, leading is beyond you. Uh, One of the things we talk about with our guys and that we attempt and we certainly fail uh, in is we try to have an anything is everything mentality. We just believe that anything you do, we want to coach the whole person in our program. And if you want to coach the whole person, you better uh, live up to that on your end. And so I'm going to coach you because anything is everything. Like, yes, what happens on the floor is important to us. What's more important to us is how what you end up as as a human, how you contribute to our community, what kind of father you are, what kind of husband you are. But anything is everything. So like, how much can we squeeze out of you in four or five years with us um, in terms of understanding that you are a sum of your habits? And so if you choose to take a shortcut in class on a test, you're probably going to take the same shortcut because you're training that habit you're probably going to take the same shortcut in the weight room for us, and that's going to hurt us on the floor. Right. And that impacts more than just you, it impacts all of us. And if you take a shortcut on the floor where you don't finish a rep the way we want you to finish it, then you're probably going to do the same in the classroom, and you're shortcutting the opportunity we gave you to learn and grow and be developed. So we talk all the time about anything is and everything. And that, if you start preaching that stuff as a leader, um, <laughs> It gets thrown back at you with young people a lot. And so uh, it, that you create for yourself an endless set of growth and challenges in terms of, like, yeah, like, guys, I, you're right, I failed you in anything is everything this week. And so um, to me, that makes life that much more rich. It makes it that much more full. You are always staring down a new challenge in terms of, yeah, like, I, I could grow in any of these areas and it. Help us collectively get better. So we say anything is everything. Dope. Beautiful, awesome.
0: Man, you drop dropped beautiful gyms all day. You know. Just know that, Coach. <laughs> know. It was awesome, man. The three priority one got me. I'm
1: like,
0: yeah, God. It got oh, me thinking, yeah. like, how many do
1: I have? <laughs> and I <love laughs> I'm gonna, it. I'm a I've been thinking about this whole time. I'm saying. i at I got out,
0: this man. school this damn podcast. <laughs> I got DJ. And I oh, think I, I'm
1: one over. Yeah, I'm one over. That? I know I'm and over. Something
0: got to go. Something does have Something to Something go.
1: got to go. But, yeah, that's, I mean, well, I, love, I love that segment, man. I'm telling you. That I was great,
0: Coach. Segment. Well, man, we have to go to this episode 12. You're on episode 12 This is the
1: Man the dozen
0: What do you think of number? Real fast Jersey numbers Number 12 Who comes to your Who comes to your mind first uh, John Stockton Oh. I'm gonna think
1: about John Stockton man, I went football for some reason I'm still going a football vote like too I don't know I second football. would be Tom Brady That's the second one. Um, Yeah that's, that's what I that. said Yeah. too I went Terry Bradshaw Oh, oh the throwback I'm, I'm here for it I'm a Sealer fan Oh okay, so okay. That. It was there It was in
0: Debbie
2: Favorite basketball player Oh. Current? All-time. All-time. All time. You want who I think the best is or my favorite? No, you favorite record. Know.
0: Right. You do that. Oh, we're going gonna to no, go have better. a whole thing. Yeah, man. Don't do that. MJ. <laughs> oh, so we're going to say Kobe. It's yeah, going to
2: be uh, crazy. We can't have that. No. Uh, Tim Duncan, probably my favorite all-time. Okay. Although Manu is a close second. Okay. I mean, my top ten are going to be all spurs. So I'm, <laughs> I'm that guy. We'll I'm going to tell you. So is your favorite coach, Greg? Yeah, no question. Definitely. It's not even close. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, definitely.
0: Hey. Definitely. Well, that is it today, ladies and gentlemen. Off the fly with head coach C.J. Haydock, Fresno Pacific Sunbirds. This is EC3, the Captive Genius,
1: and Rob. And again, appreciate you coming down, Coach. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me, guys. And this
1: is off, off the, the fly. fly.